0: Well, good evening and welcome. Little bit of feedback won't do any harm, but not that thought. So we'll begin with our verse, which we take into the week. Uh, let's read it together. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, "Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations." what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. May we pray together. Lord, it's a very humbling thing and it's a great privilege also to bow heart and head and humble ourselves before you. Lord, we take to heart that promise where you said, humble yourself and the Lord will draw me with you. Cast all our burdens upon you because you really do care for us. You are a merciful Lord and you know our personal struggles struggles that prevent us from serving you as we would want to and when sin spoils our lives and relationships and overwhelms our hearts we ask Lord Jesus that you would come again come back to us and help us to know a restored relationship we've mentioned but a few things that occupy our praying And we bring them all to you. We can do that just in one prayer. And yet, as we think about the different situations, different people, different needs, and the ripples that are felt, Lord, we thank you that nothing is outside of your power and your love. So we praise you that you are the God who comes. That you are not remote. That you are not distant. You are not indifferent, you come, And you come by your spirit. We ask that you would come to us in grace and mercy and love and help us in our worship this evening. As we try to put into some sort of order the events of the past weekend all that's ahead of us. We do commend to your grace those who are away on holiday We pray that it will be a real blessing and there may be quality time. And for those who are weary, who are ready for a time of refreshing that you would renew their strength as well. Lord, we thank you for that company of people tonight who are launching Lighthouse. And we thank you for every child every family that's represented there, and every leader. Lord, we ask that you would inflame our love and enlarge our vision and to make ourselves so receptive that we sense again that you come to us by your Spirit. So tonight may we know in a deeper measure the new life that you give through Jesus that in quietness and confidence you can be our strength. And we take this back to our home and back to our communities, place of work and all the wider relationships so meet with us Lord Jesus we pray as we come and seek your faith and as best we come to be receptive to the coming of your spirit now and so we ask this for the glory of your name Amen We're going to read from the Old Testament, um, by your background, to Acts chapter 9, which inadvertently read this morning. which wasn't very helpful. Thank it's A heat. It's good, though. It's nice to have this lovely weather. And it's cooler tonight than this lovely breeze is coming through. We're looking at Ezekiel. There it is. Um, and if you're using the Church Bibles, this is Ezekiel 37. If you're using the Church Bibles, there's the number 868. Try, as I read, and we'll read the first 14 verses. Those of you, as best you can, to use your imagination. Try to see the the, the vision, the picture language about this valley of Rival. and see that as an illustration spiritual life that God's word comes and quitting brings life the death. So the valley of dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the, mid, in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley bones that were very dry. He asked me Son of man, can these bones live? I said Oh sovereign Lord, you alone know He's not really answering the question, is he? Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying there was a noise a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. As he commanded me. And breath entered them. They came to life. And stood up on their feet. A vast army. Then he said to me. Son of man. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They say. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. The great passage, and it speaks about God's spirit bringing transformation. We've been pursuing for several weeks now um, from the New Testament various examples, men and women whose lives have been changed by the Lord Jesus. And now we come to this last, and we're thinking perhaps of what is possibly the most dramatic uh, conversion to Jesus Christ, that of Saul of Tarsus. It's become proverbial now, isn't when people might say, he or she has had a Macedonian experience. Some people might use it in politics or in all sorts of ways it's a turnaround, a total transformation. Well, that's what we have here, and the heading is persecutor turn preacher. Saul's activity against the followers of Jesus Christ, however, intensifies, and if you keep Acts chapter 9 open, uh, we'll make reference to this and we'll do some cross-references in Acts, try to confine ourselves within this um, tonight. So we're thinking about um, this transformation by the grace of God. Can I just try to help you, at the very least, to put this in context. This um, persecution intensifies, and at this stage, just try to picture in your mind there is no separation between the church or the synagogue. All right, early days and indeed the frequent references well into uh, the unfolding of the mission into the Gentile world that it starts in the synagogue. So picture in your mind it's not the church like us, yes, it's the synagogue, and what? us this point he goes in search of those who belong. And here's the first uh, we've got three key words, and the first is the way. This is referred to somewhere else in us as, as a sect. It's, it's treated with a degree of contempt. And people who belong to the way it's an early term that was used for Christians. The word Christian was used at this particular time. Let's try this so that uh, we, 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 we put some context here. Turn in up chapter 19 for a moment, just to see this. So that we see how, how this all unfolds, okay? Essentially, it is this dramatic conversion which we we'll refer to. It. But first of all, um, here's the church, here are believers. They've embraced Jesus Christ and the Resurrection. But they're still meeting in systemism. Okay? And now they are called, just as people of the way. That's their title. It's dropped out now it's entirely, and it's, it's an interesting, it would be an interesting discussion as to whether we could restore that. Anyway, uh, in Acts 19, sorry, and verse 9, he just read it. This is now making inroads into the gentile speaking world, into Exeter. Okay? And Paul is wanting to bring the gospel. He is by now come to faith. This is Acts 19 and verse uh, 8. So here's the missionary. What's this reference point? Paul enters the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months. They picked picture of that in the synagogue arguing persuadedly about the kingdom of God Do you see that? it's in the synagogue now then look at this but some of them became obstinate they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way so Paul left them he took the disciples, that's the believers, people of the way with him and have discussions daily in the Lecture Hall of Koranis. So, in other words, you can see now the beginning of the sort of the separation between synagogue and church. Look in, um, that's Acts 19, look at verse uh, 23, yes. There's a riot in Ephesus. Let me just read this, and then we'll come back to the this for the context. About this time, there arose a great disturbance about, you notice know, and the way. So, the way now is not just about people, it's a movement, the way. You could read the rest, um, uh, and so on, just to see the impact. If you turn over to our sorry, through the papers, to us 22 and 4, Yes. Now this is Paul giving his what we call his testimony, how he came to faith. And this is what is recorded in Acts nine and it's repeated here. Acts twenty two, verse four. I persecuted the followers of this way, as it is, to their death. This man has blood on his hands He's the one who initiated the first Christian martyr death, we can tell Stephen. So, I trust his that the followers of this way to their death, arresting them, men and women, and throwing them into prison. So you've got an idea now for so this term, the way is an interesting term and there are lots of other references, but that will um, suffice. Maybe just one more, yes. Turn to Acts 24. Just so that you see that this is not an isolated thing. Acts 24 and verse 14. Now this is called before Felix, before the Roman governor. Okay? And he's giving an account of himself. Why is this riot and all this problem and social unrest with this new movement called the away? And so, Paul before Felix says this, However, I admit, that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the when see that which they call a sect so now you can already see that there's this sort of tension ok, Let's call a sect I believe everything that agrees with the Lord has written the prophets and so on and then look at verse 22 here's an interesting thing as well it's all very well with this group of people, but the way has reached um, the higher excellence of Rome itself and, and its leadership. So, in Acts 24, verse 22, then Felix, notice this, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings and so on and so forth. So, all I'm saying is that is a very key word and i we've done is to illustrate just a few references there so you can see where I'm coming from now with regard to um, Saul's um, conversion coming to faith in Jesus Christ and then he's named Paul because the way is salvation of course if we go back to how Jesus introduced himself I am the way without the way there's nowhere to go I am the way. So they are people of the way. So, I come back to Acts chapter 9, and Saul's conversion is dramatic and makes a complete turn around. Now, this can be misunderstood. It tended to become a sort of a type of conversion, a model, if you like, that everyone who comes to faith, we introduce. He time this one after when very consciously comes to the faith. But there wasn't a time being nurtured in a Christian home. Now granted, he, of his own volition, externalized that in baptism but that was to express what had already happened to him. And that can be a source of difficulty partially for some people. like You might hear of a, a very dramatic conversion like all the of lightning, and, and all this taking place, and you might think, "My goodness, am I really Christian at all?" You remember the way that Philippian jailer seemed to say, "With the prison doors opening," and another it and yet you find Lydia just praying quietly, and the Lord opening her heart gradually are authentic conversion uh, I well remember some of you will know Martin Martin in the Westminster Fellowship he used to share personally of him, but, uh, when we went from uh, working in London Harley Street and going to so a very impoverished part of um, portfolio um, there were people who were coming to faith with all sorts of physical backgrounds, remarkable conversions, and it unsettled his wife. She would say, these people are real Christians, but I don't think I am. So she was comparing the dramatic turnaround of these people, and he was saying how it's easy, not easy, but it's understanding to consider how we come to faith. So whether we are cultured, Mademoiselle jones wife or the doctor herself. She was cradled in, in, in the Christian faith, and yet she needed Jesus as much as other people with um, obvious social and moral issues. People of the way. Secondly, here's an unsung hero. Ananias. Let's come to Acts 9, there you, you, I hopefully you are familiar with uh, what happens here uh, in Acts 9 and uh, 4. He fell to the ground, he had a voice saying, Saul, so, Saul, so why did you persecute me? Saul, so he can't he, he said, who are you, Lord? He asked. A very interesting reply, isn't it? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuted. He is the way. He's addressing the people of the way. What he does to them, he does to Jesus. And he told, get up, go to the city, and you are told what you must do. So the Lord works on that hand, and then on the other. Look at verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. If the Lord spoke to you in a vision, I think, <laughs> if he spoke to me like this, how would I react? can you, you, he still speak like that today. Sometimes he does. Trying to address for a moment, you know, this is the, the end of the the month of Ramadan, and many uh, Muslims have come to faith by having a vision of Jesus. Even before missionaries have come to them, As you know, we have a uh, girl staying in our house, Sarah, who came to faith like that. That's the a how do we know when God speaks to us in the vision? It is something that we should think about, be more receptive to. Maybe we're all very rational. Maybe because we've seen other people who are, are a bit wacky and extremely are more cautious. Always difficult. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here is Ananias. And the Lord speaks to him. And he says in verse 1, Look, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus, named Saul, the Atreus. And in the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come to take the and into his side And he said, Lord, either I got it wrong, or are you sure he couldn't say the Lord had it, or could he? I mean, you can't do that. It doesn't work like that. So he looked at the Lord and I've heard many reports about this man, what the harm he has done. You know, Stephen was my good he said, now he initiated the story. And look what he's done, there are people I know who are in prison. This <coughs> can't be right, you, you know, this sort of thing. Not right. And he goes on to say that people have been in prison through him and now... Look at verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him here's an interesting part of becoming a Christian. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. If he were to evangelize like that today now would people come to faith. Well, here's Ananias. Uh, and uh, I said once to Ed, who there, and I used an illustration from um, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas, not long after this incident, introduces Paul to the church at Antioch. And in the course of time, over some, some years, Paul will eclipse Barnabas, and Barnabas goes into the background, and. Paul pioneered and takes the church, uh, the gospel to the Gentiles and writes these letters to the church. And I said this, and Ed corrected me, musically. Here it is, is a little thing. It takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. The second fiddle, Ed, is important. Very important, (laughs) okay? So, here is Ananias. Playing the second fiddle. Sometimes we say, "I'm not playing second fiddle, mm-hmm. We don't even know music. we ought to musicians. What are we're talking about?" It. Uh, so is. here is Ananias playing the second fiddle. We don't hear about him any other time, but God used him at that particular time <laughs> to be the instrument by which Paul comes to faith. He's restored with his sight. He's baptized. He's baptized and now he going to identify it with this text called The Way and our personal thought. Can I just say this then, the details of our calling will differ from people to people but fundamentally God uses people And he hasn't stopped doing that in whatever way, in terms of um, a vision. So, this brings us to the second key word, and that is to carry. Look at that in verse 15. Go, this man is my chosen instrument. It's an interesting word to carry, to take up, and as a burden to life, my name the way before the Gentiles it's the same word as Jesus who carries his cross or when Jesus said before the Passover you will see a man carrying a jar following saying to him you have need of his, uh, his donkey which he to give Palm Sunday and so forth to carry It's normally used of a physical thing you pick something up and you take it you carry it but can you imagine what it is to carry the name of Jesus to take it up lift it up and take it where it hadn't been before and we can do that today in this village the gospel is something which Paul will take into new areas and we have to do the same we carry the name I hope that when we do, that we bring credit to his name not dishonor, then we carry it and lastly, suffering you see in verse 60 I will show him how much he must suffer for money so in this conversion, in this turnaround we have these three key words we've looked at the way and it's not nice to be identified with people who are marginalized, vilified, to carry a burden, and now suffering, suffering. Suffering, as Paul found, is not an incidental thing to accompany Christian life. I think we need to be a bit more upfront about this. In many parts of the world, not the Western world, when people embrace Jesus Christ, they do so at great personal cost. And we've seen the demise of the Christian influence in the West and the rapid growth in many places where it is extremely dangerous to be identified with the way. I know it's easy to say these things, but we, we must be careful. We of the, the calling to be a Christian. What are the consequences of bearing witness to this name, carrying this name, following the way? Paul never forgot that. Turn just to our after- fourteen. I am not sure if it is an from the US. Um just see this. Acts uh, fourteen and verse twenty one. Here is Paul now the dictionary. Okay? And with his colleagues and companions, this is Art 14 verse 21 They preached the good news in the city and when a large number of disciples converts, believers then they returned to Syria, Iconium, and Antioch Now look look at verse 22 Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith and look at the quotation Paul never forgot that Word from Ammonites: We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I don't think we help our cause when we leave that out of our evangelism. Maybe we should think differently. Not why am I suffering? Why am I in the hard times? We should perhaps ask: Why aren't I having one? And we shouldn't have a complex about that. So we should expect, as we carry the name of Jesus, as we identify with the ways that it will be costly, that we can do so with a sense of privilege and blessing. So let's conclude. What's the application if it isn't obvious already? Well, number one. It is, in other words, what does it say to us here tonight? First of all, we should pray for conversion. That is a challenge. Here is on the nine. You don't hear about him again? He's in prayer. God speaks to him. You think of people you know now, colleagues at work, family, the children. You can pick them in your mind people who are either resistant or indifferent to the Lord Jesus. And I want to ask you to go there now in your mind say, do you believe that the Lord Jesus can bring about a change? Now you have to pray like that. We should pray for conversion. I remember hearing about a, a, a church where they were complaining about the pastor that he doesn't preach evangelistically. But his reply to the church was, When you start praying evangelistically, I'll start preaching evangelistically. It's a two way thing, isn't it? We should pray that people would come to faith. So you see, in verse 4 there is Saul he fell to the ground and as a voice they can Saul why do you persecute me? the second application surely is this that we must still believe that God uses it's not a good term but for the purpose of the sermon God uses ordinary people I what else do you know about him? Nothing else. You will see the second point is going to come in a moment. And uh, we, we, God uses ordinary people. There it is. But what a struggle for him. He might say, <laughs> Lord, have you any idea who this man is? He's a Pharisee, he's learned, he's zealous. he's a fanatic. Are you sure? Really sure? Or have I got my guidance mixed up? Maybe I better wait. God still uses ordinary people I don't think we have a real idea of what a struggle that would have been for Ananias If he made a mistake, he would have been in jail A third application is this That we should overcome our prejudices I think Ananias are ground to be prejudiced about all the pastors. Look at his truck record, look at how personal he is. And we might say, you know, I know some people pretty well and you, you need to say to me, they can become a Christian. Yes, I do, I do. Yes, exactly that. And so, in verse 13, Lord, I answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to the faith in Jerusalem and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name yes. and you want yes. to go to him. He is he He's got grounds to be. But we have to overcome those, even the legitimate ones. We need, in other words, to be more sensitive to God's thoughts. Be less risk averse. And the last application is this. And we get this it, is verses 17 to 19 that we need to grow in faith and obedience. Where the rubber hits the road we say, don't we? Look at verse 17. Then Ananias in fear and prohibition. Could you see that? It's it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Look, he, he went to the house and they entered it. I wonder if he knocked the door. I wonder if he hopes that. <laughs> um, and you see Saul. He didn't particularly like him. And he says, Brother Saul, no man. This persecutor, this man is the blood of his hands rather for the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit we need to grow in faith and obedience and I hope when we think about lives changed by the Lord Jesus, that we would want to say, Lord, do it again. Do it again in our days. So we will end by thinking about the power of the gospel, the power of the cross, and um, let's see this as uh, a challenge, a similar to go to work tomorrow, think about the situations in which we face. The Lord can do these things among us still. So we sing this So because of this Gospel to Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. May we share with us the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.